And we are going. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Exciting episode ahead here. New sponsorship, new partnership, however you want to look at it. Uh, High Button Sports would like to welcome Generous United to the family. Let's give them a round of applause. Mark. Generous United is a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. Okay, they are dedicated to making prescription drugs more affordable so we can all live healthier lives. In a down economy right now where it might be a little expensive to afford prescription drugs, Generous United is helping everyone be able to afford the essentials, essentially. Uh, your pharmacist, local member within your community who is committed to making you healthy. Once you join Generous United, you'll be able to get an attentive, personalized service while you save money on prescription drugs. If you're looking for more information, head on over to generousunited.ca. That's G-E-N-R-U-S united.ca. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Paul Brothers. Paul is the morning anchor for Global News. He was also the winner of Gillette Drafted, season one on the score. The guy knows what he's doing in front of a camera, also on a microphone. I also know what I'm doing on a microphone and in front of a camera. Uh, He was recommended as a podcast guest by none other than Global Graham. We always have him on the podcast. So it's going to be a great episode. I'm excited to talk to Paul. Being a head anchor on a TV network, it kind of lines up to what I do, but his is more on a, definitely on a bigger scale, being on TV got to be sharp and i'm pretty sure that his job he does it live sometimes that has to be nerve-wracking and he's got to wake up early morning show i don't know that's like 6 a.m so that means you got to be up at least by four maybe i'm wrong i'll ask him what time he gets up but anyways it's going to be a great episode i'm justin we're talking to paul here we go you know what comes next Mr. Paul Brothers, we're going as he's sipping the coffee. Hello. How are you? I'm very appreciative of the mug uh, branding because I'm left-handed. And a lot of the global news branding, it's only on this side for the righties. But you've got the HB on both sides. So when I drink from my cup, high button sports, See, HB. I, I never thought of that, but I guess the both side does help. I never thought of that. That was, you got to be way closer to the mic. Okay. The but. The I remember the on Vistaprint some of the yeah. most inexpensive purchases are mugs. Believe it or not, they're more inexpensive than stickers, more inexpensive than like a keychain. Like a mug was was like three four bucks, and to brand it was five bucks. So that was like the first ever thing we ever had branded was those cups. That was actually back in Vancouver, I'm pretty sure. And we've held on to those. We moved up to the Yeti, but I remember those Come were our, our our first ever uh, branded thing vista print tip for you Mm -hmm. as a family man and a father of two now i do a yearly calendar for the grandparents of my uh, two kids okay on vista print okay never buy anything full price on vista print there's always a deal in there somewhere especially a calendar okay good to know around christmas early december i'm a procrastinator so i wait until the you know the absolute deadline to like get all these pictures in every month of both my kids for the grandparents for their christmas gift and Every year, it's always like 50% off until December 9th. And I'm like, December 9th, is it going to get here by Christmas? <laughs> that's good advice. The calendar, that's a, that's a very yeah. uh, underappreciated gift. And you know what? It's easy to do. It's a nice little template in there. And uh, never buy anything full print on Vistaprint. And Not I'm, assu- even a mug. I'm assuming every month you're allowed to put a custom picture? Yeah, like you can put like a- montages, Justin. Oh, really? Yes. Like three, four. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's a, as you know, for editing and producing, it's a painstaking process of what to leave in mm. and what to keep and what to leave out. Mm. Right, Mark? Oh, yeah. Especially if you have kids and you're taking pictures of them oh, all the time. You probably Your phone is probably just full of kids, isn't it? And then a just, pandemic hits and they're yeah. home for like 12 weeks in a row with yeah. nothing. So 2020 was, <laughs> it was a chore, but we got it done and I paid like 11 bucks. It was great. Were you uh, were you one of these school dads? Like, apparently if you have a kid at home and they didn't go to school, they had to uh, teach at home. Were, right, you, were, no. you, were you in that boat? No? My kids are young. My son actually turns six next week. So he was... Uh, in daycare at the time and my daughter uh is two and a half now so she was like one and a half yeah and so it was just more like lego i'm like a lego aficionado now we've got so many lego city sets i think i counted my son has now 37 lego city sets which when you were young and i was young and you were young you just got to like um freestyle you know yeah. you got a thousand pieces of lego you build a house or whatever but now it's like custom Lego City fire brigades, you know, the fire goes here and the building goes here. Like It's, it's almost ridiculous. like a puzzle, but it's, 3D. Yeah. But my son is like, he's just a, unbelievable at it. So it's really cool to watch him uh, to kind of grow up and play Lego. What's the reaction to seeing their dad on TV? Uh, they don't care. They don't care. It's nothing no. to them. It's just for a minute. It was OK. But in the morning now, my wife gets up with both my kids and they turn on Paw Patrol or Netflix or Disney Plus. Dad takes a backseat. It was cool for like, you know, a day. Yeah, and then it's just back to normal. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that uh, I go to pick up my son every day at uh, two thirty mm-hmm. at school. Okay, and so we walk home all the time with these two kids, and they, their dads or something, must watch the news. Yeah, and they like rip these questions at me all the time, and I'm like, geez, I don't know that. And then this guy Eric, who's like nine, he's like, but you're on the news, you you know everything, and I'm like, no man, what? I don't know everything. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, those are funny kids. They've got some good acronyms for like. Uh, oh, he's got one that he told me last week about math. And what was it? There's like anyway, kids got. I'll think of it at some point. I'm tired right now. Though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? So what do we got in front of us right okay, now? Okay, we are going to do the LF Bakery draft, gentlemen. I'd, I'd say keep it on camera three. Yep. If, okay. On three. Okay. Because of course we'll probably get into the fact that I won this show like a decade ago called Drafted, which was like an that. amazing moment in my life and oh, it was yeah. fantastic. But anyway, that's long ago now. But this is the LF Bakery Draft. There's a French uh, bakery across from Global Studio. Okay. And they have like the best baked goods in the city, bar none. That's so, a heavy statement. If you could do the scouting reports, I have. Uh, this is the almond croissant. Okay. Which this is like the Trevor Lawrence. Do you guys like football? Yep. Okay. This is like the Trevor Lawrence of the draft coming up here. Wow. The quarterback that's, you know, he yeah. doesn't even need to do okay. a pro day because he's going number one to Jacksonville. He was in Vegas the night before the draft. That's right. Be, okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So almond croissant. This one is the uh, chocolate. It's almost like a petite pan de chocolat, they call it. It's like a chocolate croissant. There's chocolate in the middle. Uh, it was my early favorite when the bakery first opened. So this is kind of your stall where you're not going to go wrong with the chocolate croissant. Okay. It's already reached its ceiling. You know what you're going to get. Okay. Chocolate and bread. It's a classic. It's a classic. And then third, we have the raspberry beignet. What's a beignet, if you don't mind me asking? Interesting that you asked that mm-hmm. because I thought it was some kind of you know weird French way to bake uh, a dessert donut. So it's a, fr- it's a French donut. It's a donut. No, it's, it, just, it, it, it's not even French. It's just raspberry donut. But it sounds so awesome yeah, when you yeah. say raspberry. You could charge four more dollars <laughs> if you say beignet. Right. Okay. So I don't know which one of you guys gets the first pick, but I'm going third because I've had all three of these. 
So I'm gonna you, go chocolate. So it's up to you. You're gonna draft chocolate. I'm gonna go chocolate. So that says that you'd rather go with what you know than the potential for greatness. Yeah, the first overall picks or something, it gets to your head a little bit too much. It gets to your head. You you sign the big contract. You right. you, you go into your first home opener, and maybe there's a little bit too much pressure. Yep. And not to you know, there's guys that deliver, but. There's also a good percentage that don't. Right. And You're right, to though. play it safe on a chocolate, chocolate's, chocolate's been around for how many years now? A long Centuries. time. <laughs> Centuries? Like yeah. BC? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been a long time. He's your stats guy. Well, he's, our every, he's just, yeah, he's everything. Tell us, Mark, when was chocolate invented? Uh, we're talking like mid 20th century, maybe, because it was bet. a new world creation. Yeah. You didn't know about it until the new world was discovered okay so i'm going chocolate there, yeah, okay yeah. that's my bet okay all right so what i just grab it and i go for it yeah with the first overall pick in the lf bakery draft on high button sports justin selects chocolate Ooh. for song i like how you don't see the chocolate from the outside yeah. so it's a bit of a surprise and you know what it depends on who's baking like you might get a lot of chocolate baking not bacon but uh you may get a lot of chocolate or you may get not very much chocolate so are you are you happy with your selection it's a slow burn. If you're not going, you know, if if you know your ceiling, it's a slow burn. You so might be on the bench for three years. The first, like, ten bites, you get no chocolate. But then the last two, it's an explosion. It's the Aaron Rodgers of the LF Bakery. Yeah, that's well pushed. Right? Yes, absolutely. I, okay, it's that. Yeah. You wait on it for a number you, of yeah. days. <laughs> you let it sit there for, like, three years. That's actually really good. And then when it gets its shot, the chocolate hits you. Mark? Do you want the uh, raspberry donut or the almond croissant? I'll take the raspberry donut. Really? Yes. Great selection. Thank you. This is kind of the wild card of the, of the three, is the uh, raspberry donut. Or, I mean, because it went to a, you know an Ivy League school, that's the beignet, the raspberry beignet. No, no problem. That's delicious. Yeah, I don't want to risk getting sugar things all over here. So. I'm going to go with the almond croissant, which has been my favorite for the last little while. Look at this thing. Is that? It might bite into It looks like a, yeah, what are those nose. things that you throw and they come back to you? A boomerang. A boomerang. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Welcome well, thank you very much. This is delicious. Podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Shout out to LF Bakery. Thank when, you. When um, The reason I brought baked goods is because a few years ago we had Jonathan Torrens come on as a co-host, who's the nicest, kindest human being on the planet and the funniest man I've ever met in my life, J-Rock. Everyone knows Jonathan Torrance. Yeah, I'm gonna, I go, I'll let you go. Okay. Go. So he came to co-host the show for Christmas one time. Pardon me for eating and talking. Go for it. It's the best part of the job. Yeah, and he brought, he came in, didn't know anybody, came in the studio, brought baked goods from um, a bagel shop across the bridge, across the McDonald Bridge in that. Oh, right on the left-hand side yeah. there. I know exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. It's kind of by the sportsplex, but yep. like, yeah, right yep. there. I know exactly. I don't know the name of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring these guys some baked goods. It's a great way to break the ice. And yeah, and it's a great. It, it is a. It's a vet move. Every time, even if I go to a buddy's house just to hang out, it's like I try to bring a bottle of wine. Nice. It's a. Yeah, you know, like a, like a Tim's coffee. Yeah. That's it's why so I ask when you come over, would you like a coffee? It's 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 a it's such a nice gesture. It's a. It's a maritime thing for sure. It's just something you know, to you be know. able to. Say, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to offer something. I'm going to sit down. If I go to someone's house, I got to be able to sit there for at least thirty minutes, have a coffee, and just get to know how are you? Well, how's yeah. life doing? It's a very calming thing. And I, um, when you sent me that text, do you want a coffee? I was getting ready to go get a coffee, and I was like, oh, he's offering me a coffee. I'll bring these guys some baked goods. And I love when the the person says, yeah. I always ask most mostly every guest that comes over, like, you want a coffee? And whenever the person says yes, I get excited because I usually have like a thing of coffee by myself, but now it's an excuse to have more coffee. And when you have a French press like that, you know what you're doing, right? This ain't some drip coffee instant thing. No, it's your, my. I remember my girlfriend and my mom. They love the uh, espresso. 
the what are they called nespresso's where you put the pod in but it takes away the connection i find to the bean you know, i love seeing the bean in the morning i love putting it in yeah. i love the hot water i like the process of it some of those big italian machines that cost like thirty thousand bucks to make a cup of coffee like that's a little too you know a little too much but i like it coffee's a good part of my day good part of my morning i love that you said that too the essence of the bean is very um very big deal for me like no cream or sugar nothing just black coffee mm. and same with like alcohol and stuff have your drinks neat don't mm. mix it with coke essence of the bean essence of the drink good man yeah so when did you find out that you were comfortable on camera and good with a microphone and good at talking to people it was a long time ago man how old do you think i am 32 <laughs> what i know good way under what Way under. 42. Over. I'll be 40 tomorrow. No way. Yep. Tomorrow. Wow. Crazy. This has the potential to be one of the greatest podcasts we've ever done with that <laughs> statement. You're 40 tomorrow. Tomorrow. Which, when people watch this, I'm 40 now. I hope it works out. No, me. no. This is going out today. Really? Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Uh, I, don't wait. I got nothing to wait for. Well, I can say the date then. March 24th. I'll be 40 tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. I'm 29. You're 39. You got 10 years on me. Yeah. So it goes back to me. It's a like it's a long story, but I got my start in broadcasting mm. in 1996 when a buddy and I s- started to do radio from our junior high school in Newfoundland. In Newfoundland, Bishop's Falls, Newfoundland, at a place called English Memorial High School, which is not even a school anymore. We wow. were in music class, and I don't even know. I think it was my buddy Brian King who pitched this idea. We should do a radio station. In the morning, so that when you come into school in the morning, music is playing. There's DJs. Recess time, there's a music playing. Lunchtime. Over the PA? Over the PA. Wicked. And the music teacher, Mr. Race, who I haven't talked to in about 25 years either, he was on board with it. He was like, yeah, I can wire this up so the PA works and you guys can be there. So we were called Eagle FM. Wicked name. Yeah. And we did the radio. And um, my dad knew... Um, the program director at the AM radio station, Kicks Country, in the next town over from us, Grand Falls, Windsor, Newfoundland, which is about a 10-minute drive from my hometown. Okay. And they caught wind of this and uh, got me up for an air check when I was, like, you know, going to grade 10. What's an air check? An air check is when you come into a radio station and you lay down your voice for, like, you know, read read something for 30 seconds. Oh, like a okay. PSA, like, High Button Sports is one of the most influential sports media broadcasting outlets in Canada. Our main focus is to put the spotlight on the athletic community and all it has to offer. Love High it. Button Sports, established 2017. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I'd hire you. That was great. <laughs> Brought okay. to you by LF Bakery. That's sick. Yeah, so uh, so I, that's where I got kind of my start in radio was before you even knew if I was any good at it or not. It was just like a, it wasn't a thought to it. It was just it was that's what it was. And then someone decided that we should have a rotating team on Eagle FM. And a guy by the name of Terry Thorne, in his first broadcast, mm. dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> Jesus, Mark. <laughs> okay. That was it. That was it. That's Eagle it. FM was toast. That was the dream of... Uh, so junior high. That was still grade nine, yeah. Dropping an F-bomb early in the morning. But it was good enough for me to get from there to radio. It's a step. That's all you need. That's all you need. You need man. a mic and a listener. That's yes. it. You need a break. That that was kind of my break there. And from there, I had a dream to be a sportscaster. And uh, was Bob Cole an idol of yours growing oh, up? Oh, big time. Did you ever meet him? I did. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? Not as good as you'd think. Tell, can, you, can you talk about <laughs> it? Uh-oh. What happened? Oh, it was fine. 
When I worked at the score, yeah. I was lucky enough and very fortunate to do a lot of wicked things when I was there for just three short years, which is crazy. But I, um, there was like two facets of the score, the TV side and the, the web side. So yeah. they would send a TV guy, Cabby or oh, yeah, Steve Coolius. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they would do like the actual news angles of the, you know, the upcoming Saturday night game. Yeah. But the website needed someone to go to to do the same thing. That was like there was no real cohesion when it came to web and television. It was like butting heads. Yeah, it's true. For a national broadcaster. It was crazy. Yeah, it's true. But we're talking like 2011 now. This is 10 years ago. When yeah. Was, when a lot of companies were like TV first and now it's kind of like digital first. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah, been 100%. Reversed. And so I was lucky enough to get a Leafs uh, media pass for an entire year. Oh, get the Favorite team, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, like, dude. Every Saturday morning, died and gone to heaven just sitting there watching the morning skate, 10 o'clock. A 10-minute walk from my uh, apartment. You're making our listeners right now I'm sorry. drool. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys add pictures and videos to this stuff? Or is yeah, it just yeah, yeah, 100%. Because I've yeah. got pictures of the media pass. Just, to... just like airdrop them to me after, and I'll post them all. Sure. Yeah. And so... Um, one Saturday morning, you know, you just you're just hanging out in the Leafs dressing room, which is again small town Newfoundland. It never wears off. That you're like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> and uh, in walks Bob Cole with the old salt and pepper hat, like, and I'm like, holy cow, this is it. This yep. is like the your butterflies start to go. You're getting ready to meet an idol. Like, what do you say? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I go over and put my hand out. You know, Bob, Paul Brothers, Bishop's Falls, Newfoundland. I work at the score. Oh, yeah, good to meet you, young man. You know, they, they, you know, thanks for coming by and saying hello. And big game tonight. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, Who are tonight. they playing? I think it might have been. I want to say the Habs. Just yeah, to me, I just say like, it. Just say the Habs. <laughs> that was the Habs. And, uh, and then I'm like, okay, what do you ask Bob Cole? So I'm like, um, you know, always wanted to be a sportscaster. I'm here, Bob. Got my foot on the ladder here. What advice would you give to a young um, Newfoundlander who wants to make it in the business. He was like, oh, I don't really have any advice to give you. I got, you know, I don't really give advice out, but, uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, all right. All right. Just keep doing what you're doing. There wasn't, like, there wasn't that yeah. glowing, like, here's what you got to do. Yeah. But there was that the meeting, and I could say that I shook his hand, and he's an absolute legend in, yeah. uh, in Newfoundland and in Canada, I mean. Oh, baby. I think that's a great story. Like, okay. even though he didn't give you, like, advice, I feel like a lot of guys in that position don't really have advice because they don't just keep going. Like, you look at yourself right now. Think about how many guys want your position and yeah. where you are. What's your advice? Probably the same thing. Keep going. Keep your head down. Work hard. Yeah. I, but I, I think that's a... You know, Believe a, in yourself. Believe in yourself. And, and especially Tacky, that true. especially that it was in the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room, it like the, 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 what do you, the mecca of hockey, the holy grail right there. I think that's yeah. I think that's really cool. But then for the next, like, five years, you kick yourself like, man, I could asked something else but yeah i know but i mean uh, the fact that i met him i thought was amazing which there is a conversation should you want to meet your hero like who's your hero yeah it changes with age when i was younger it was sid but i find there's something there's something about idolizing a local guy that lives right down the street that i'm not a huge fan of he's you know he's just sid he's right down the street He's 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 a you know, I'm not saying we're equals, but like he would never put himself above anyone else. He's a humble guy. He's he's just who he is. So I, I wouldn't say I at you know at this age of my life I idolize Sid. So mm-hmm. I'd have to put it in a in a category of like Larry David or Jerry Seinfeld, two of the funniest people in the world. Amazing. So I I'd say those two guys and. Yeah, there is a part of me that wishes I one of them would come on the podcast, but there is also that factor of 
you know, do I just want to leave Jerry on the screen where I see him, you know, every now and then, or do I really, you really want to meet the guy? It's like, right. eh, I don't know. Seinfeld would be awesome. Did you got his new book of jokes? No. Oh man, you gotta Good. get that. Funny, you want to hear a funny story about Seinfeld? I when want he, to. So he, when he was here, um, he had a st- uh, how many years ago was this? Probably like 2010, 11. He came here, Metro Center, yeah, it was sold before it. Before I moved back here, it was before. Yeah, it was pre 2010 for sure. Well, pre 2012. I mean, pardon me. So I worked at the. Um, at a hotel here in Halifax, but this wasn't while I was working here, but I worked after and I heard a story about Jerry staying at this hotel and he got there, I think a day before his stand up set at the Metro center. And he was just, he was looking to do something. He was like, I want to do something. I'm in Halifax. I'm bored. What can I do? And his movie, the B movie was uh, like premiering somewhere or like being shown in a theater randomly at uh, what's the one on Quinpool, the Oxford, yeah, the Oxford. So what he does, he wants to go watch this movie, but with no one. So he asks one of the concierge, he goes, hey, can you call the Oxford Theater on Quinnpool, book it out, I don't care how much it costs, I want no one in there, I want to be there by myself watching the movie. So next thing you know, the concierge calling Oxford Theater, hey, Jerry Seinfeld's here, he wants to book out the Oxford Theater, he wants to be in there by himself, how much? I didn't get a dollar amount of how much it cost, but yeah. rented it out by himself, sat there, watched the B-movie, and the rest is history. Come on. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, so many people have little interactions with people of fame who come to Halifax like that too you know like with the Rolling Stones game mm. and they all go through the hotel I'm sure there's like a million hotel concierges you could have on this podcast to talk about 100% famous people that came through the Delta or the uh, Marriott's and all those places. 100% I've got a funny Seinfeld this morning you mentioned Seinfeld a lot of my life always goes to Seinfeld because I love uh, Larry and Jerry yeah. as well and um, uh, the jerk store episode you know that one, right? Yeah. The jerk store called. They're running out of you. <laughs> so every time I do an interview and I like don't ask a question, much like that Bob Cole thing where you're like, you wish you had your time back to go back and yeah. say that one thing. I had on the, it wasn't sports related, but it was the new president of the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, Rob Batherson was on. And the, I don't know if you guys are in the news or not, but the conservatives are saying that they voted that climate change wasn't real, even though the leader says it is. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. But... I should have asked a question that, in hindsight, I never asked. So someone on Twitter, of course, came on and was like, good interview, but you should have asked this. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I should have if I had my time back, <laughs> like George did, where he, like, turns the car around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when the jerk store called, they're running out of you. <laughs> and then the guys are, you're their best customer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's the crescendo with the, uh, well, I had sex with your wife. And then... There's so <laughs> his wife's in a coma. <laughs> There's so many moments like that in this job. So oh, that you're gonna leave here today. I'm gonna be like, Fuck, should have asked him this. Yeah, this is the way that the nature of the business. But that's why you come back for the second time, and then I ask you again. Exactly. It always happens like that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about well, the jacket you're wearing. First of all, is unbelievable. Thank you. Um, but I want to talk about that whole process. I have a couple people that tried out for that. Like, was it at the mall? And how? Where did you try out to become? Uh, Gillette. What, what was it called? Gillette. It was Gillette. Gillette draft at the score. Well, it was much. Gillette drafted on the score. G- Gillette drafted on the score. Yeah. And I had a couple of buddies that went to tryouts at the mall here in Halifax. That and... would have been in later years. Yeah. Okay. So what? What was the? What was it like for you? The process of of that. So the first one was uh, 2009, I guess, and it was at the Red Stag, the Red Stag Tavern downtown in the Keats Brewery. Okay. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. 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 And we had to go in and do a highlight pack on basketball forget what the basketball clip was now it was if it wasn't it might have been march madness because it was around this time or nba or something like that okay but uh the big shots were down like tim and sid were there no yeah how many people showed up 
I don't know, my my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, yeah. she went and tried it because she's a big sports fan too. Okay, cool. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then um, you go in, you do like a one-minute kind of, um, almost like an air check, actually, from okay. earlier in the pod here, where you do just a readover, like if you're watching, like, catch George Springer and the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, opening day, April 1st. Yeah. Holy cow, Kirby Yates needs Tommy John. So they're looking for your enthusiasm and your well, comfortability yeah. or something. Okay, Basically, okay. how can you read highlights, you know? Okay. And so you make it through the first round of that. You go back out, and then they say, okay, you've made, like, the top. They cut it down to, like, 10 or something from what I remember at that night. But it's all on the same night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you find out if you make it or not in one If day? you make it to, like, a certain round or something. But does that next round include? In the same you? night. It was in the same but night. But does that include you going to Toronto? Like the next, like the next no. round is that in Toronto? It's well, yeah, Halifax. the next round is in Toronto. Okay, yeah, but it would have been like later on down the line because okay. I think Halifax might have been the first stop. Yeah, it makes sense, and then just go east to west. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, I made it through that like round of once they get you in for the second round, you go and I remember talking to uh, Sid at one of the stalls at the Red Stag about like chicken fingers or something. It's like you know they. If you're doing a reality show, they talk to the guests who have potential just to get these little cutaways, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. a bit of potential anyway. Yeah. And so um, it was different for the first year than the other years because you probably have buddies that tried out at malls and things, and then it became like a reality show where they flew you up and you stayed in a hotel and they were like barging in the hotel rooms. I'm thankful because that's not my style. Reality, yeah. That the first year it was all kind of online snippets. If you remember the score, it used to be a lot of just like cabbie on the street was like two minutes and then it would come on again and yep. a half hour later. And that's what they did with this show. So a lot of it, like, actually took place online. And so after I made that first uh, cut, you get a call one day, like a month later. I'd kind of forgotten about it. And it's like Derek Snyder, who essentially became my boss after that. He was a big part of the score in its early days. He just called and said, yeah, um, we just did the Cross Canada tour for Drafted, and you've made the top five, like, of the entire country. There was no cut down regionally. It was like, boom. It's the five of you. You're in challenges now for the rest of the year from like April until December. And they flew me up there like three, four times to, to oh. do challenges and put you up in a hotel. And, but it was all the thing I loved about it is that it was all about the sports and about challenges on, you know, how to go on camera, how to go off the cuff on the street. What do you know about this? Interviewing athletes. It was no like the reality side, you know, like the reality side, it's tough. Yeah, you gotta. They ask you to pretend fake drama and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of yeah, there's a lot of editing and cutting. And having gone through it as the host of it the following year, and then the year after going across Canada to be the, I guess essentially the face of it, um, it was a different show. But it does. It also like turned out some pretty good talent. If you looked at a lot of like, the five from the year that I made it, mm. uh, Andrew Fung made the top five. He was one of the main guys on Kim's Convenience on CBC, like one of the main actors on that show wow. was in the final five of uh, Gillette Drafted. Wow. Yeah. Sean Menard is another guy who was in the top five. He's like a pretty big sports director now. He has got net, he did the Netflix uh, movie on Vince Carter. No couple, way. Yeah. And he's got like a bunch of baseball ones. I think he might have done, uh, I don't want to say Vlad Jr. and Sr. He, he's got a documentary about baseball. That's awesome. And the Dominican. Yeah, like unbelievable stuff. Wow. And then there's... Uh, uh, McIsaac, Andrew McIsaac, I think lives in Dryden. He works in radio. Jane Erickson is from Bedford. Mm. She's uh, got a family now in Ontario. I'm not sure. She was like a Ford PR gal and like fantastically talented from Bedford. Yeah. 
So it's crazy. I haven't really kept up with them as much as I probably should have because it's been like a decade. Yeah. But just that first season, there was a lot. Like, even though you don't win, sometimes you get a break. There's a bunch 100%. of people who probably tried out for that who are probably doing better things than than we're doing right now. I don't know. And you started a wave for sure because after that, I remember that because uh, after that there was a reality setting of it and at that time reality was so big like, oh, that was when was like everywhere. keeping up with the kardashians was out like just started like reality was so big so finding personalities across canada to try out for a sports caster job it was like, i remember it was huge and cabbie was the, well, probably the biggest sports figure yeah. in canada bigger than maybe yeah maybe not jay and dan but he was big like, he was up there Big because he was different, right? He was doing stuff it, that wasn't yeah. normal sports casting. Yeah. Like, didn't you put a mic in people's face at Mooseheads games and got going, like, differently yeah. than other media? Is that how you got going with High yeah, Button? Yeah, we did it with, uh, it was the basket, the basketball team here. Changes their name so many times. Hurricanes. Was it the Hurricanes? Yeah. We did it with the Hurricanes, and this is back when we couldn't get, like, media credentials or anything. Hmm. So, we're like, Mooseheads, we definitely couldn't have because there's security everywhere. But the basketball, there was not a lot of security or people so if you yeah. did have a mic and a camera no one's really going to say anything it's like oh they just must work for the team or something like that so that's kind of how we i guess somewhat started was the street interviews and stuff like that yeah. but uh hard worker though cab is a hard worker like he, you, know, you have he to would be. spend days and weeks on one segment have to be and i mean i get emotional just talking about it him and kobe were so tight him in the back of the limo with Kobe in LA, in trying helicopter. to go to his house in the helicopter. Like I was living, I was working there when all that happened. The whole helicopter, like I'd been, I've been on road trips with the camera guy who shot that. No. And it's just like, as soon as I heard the news last year about Kobe, I was like, oh my god, that's Cap. I mean, the entire world. Yeah. But man, they shared a bond, and I think he was on a little like on TSN the same day, maybe, and it was just like, oh, not to nosedive yeah. the podcast here, but. It's just uh, yeah. it was incredible that connection that uh, you know he he had with an athlete of that magnitude. That was a I don't think it's a, it, it, I don't think it's appreciated as much as it should be at that time. That was a a, a special moment in Canadian broadcast history. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Canadian sports figure to go down to Los Angeles to interview the best basketball player of all time, but wasn't even an interview. It was just two friends having mm-hmm. fun. Knowing each other, shooting the shit. It was totally different. He's not there asking about his his uh, free throw percentage. He's just down there trying to get into Kobe's house and have a sleepover. You know, it's like it's yeah. just the, the the most crazy different thing. And it was definitely inspiring. Not inspiring for myself at the time, but looking back when I first started High Button Sports, and you look back at like you know Jerry D at the score, and you look at Cabby, and you look at some other figures around Canada. Yeah. It's like those guys are, are are absolutely huge for. Myself. I, I would say of the on-air talent that you would know on the score, I would say the one I keep in touch with the most is probably Jerry D. I'm sorry, I got There's the dogs upstairs. I got to do this. That Hi. could be the that could be the hats. We have we have a tenant upstairs, but she's a teacher and she has dogs. And every time someone walks by the house, the dogs bark. But the only way to get them to shut up is this is awesome. Does this go on the pod as well? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> that that could be the hats. What does that mean? The hats. The guy. We have the hats, you mean? Yeah, the UPS truck. We have hats coming in for our summer merch. Nice. So the hats, the UPS said that they'd be here today, and whenever the UPS guy drops stuff up at the front, Sarah's here. So if if they're here, oh, they'll yes. they'll get her. Okay, sorry to interrupt you about Jerry D. No, that was it. He's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Th- those some of those things when he was behind the scenes with the Air Canada Center. Like talking to Brian Burke as he's trying to get into the room. That was some of the funniest. Oh my god, Jerry D. Sports reporter is just amazing. Um, Which he like it was part of his shtick to be a jerk to us when I was on that show. 
yeah. behind the scenes, he was he was fantastic. And I've had him on now uh, through Global a couple times. Like I've actually interviewed more athletes on Global now in the last ten years than I think I ever did at the scores. Like every trophy yeah. has been through the studio. I've interviewed all kinds of athletes. Never Sid though. Or no. I heard Nate McKinnon was in this very seat. That seat, but yeah, he was. He was here. That's a big get, man. Yeah, it was a good. I was pumped on that. How'd you line that up? Don't want to talk about it. Yeah, no, no, just connections. I was honestly through like a childhood buddy who's good friends with him, and he's just like, hey, Nate. I don't know. Hey, yeah. A lot of moving pieces, let's put it that way. But it, it happened, and very grateful it for it. Takes a lot to set stuff up. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of the own producing for our guests on our show, so there's yeah. a lot of wrangling. The more, I, the more I go into this business or this job, whatever it is, it's so much about relationships I'm finding. You know, if, if yep. you know, would you really be here if Graham didn't recommend me as a, a good podcast host? You know what I mean? It, yeah, it, it's about uh, it's it's about connections I find. And if you're a good person, you mean well, and good things will happen to you. And that's one of the, like, the real fun parts of my career so far, too, has been the relationships and the buddies. And, um, like, I worked at Much Music for three years even before I worked at The Score. Did you? Yeah. Dude. Yeah, ageless wonder over here. And it's crazy. But even like AM radio back in Newfoundland, I remember I still got buddy like relationships you made from there. Like the work is one thing, but behind the scenes too is a whole it's a whole different um yeah. relationship as well. 100%. Camera guys and studio people and Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, just you and I chatting right now. That's kinda what I wanted to talk about was not the competitive nature at the score. Even I didn't know that much music. That's wicked. Mm-hmm. But the it, it seems like I always found in a in a work setting where there's a lot of people shooting for one job even the job that you're in right now the it, in my opinion it would be a competitive nature I mean, you'd, excuse me you got to get the best article out you have to have the best interview you're always looking to be better if you're you know in my opinion you're an artist i'm an artist you're creating something people are are, are watching it and they're they're happy it's changing their mood so that in my opinion that's an artist and an, a, a great thing for for something like myself and you is you you're in a position where you get a salary and you're always able to become a better broadcaster you'll be able to you're being able to be a better host because you have that availability to you so i I was always wondering what it's like to work for the score for global for much music Mm. knowing that you're in a a a nature with other people going for the exact same goal but at the same time you want to be friendly you want to say hey how are you how can i help well well, what's that nature like working with other people that are going after the same goal well, I'll take you through three of my jobs my current one i've been here eight years so that could tell you something about the job security at global it's uh I've had yeah. fantastic job security in my position, which yeah. is one of the reasons why I came back, actually, okay. because of that job security and, like, a guaranteed salary and, and a job instead of a contract. Yeah. At the score and at Much Music, it was all one-year deals. Like, uh, it was one year. It's tough. When I started at Much Music, it was one year, take it or leave it, and then you'd come around to the second year, and it was like, all right, year number two. But I hosted a show on Much called Going Coastal, which was kind of a niche uh, show that came on Sundays for maritime bands to get some exposure, like Plaskett and Matt Mays and all those stuff. So there was, Sick. yeah, it was fantastic. And um, and there wasn't a whole lot of competition for that job because I was the only one here doing it. And wow. so from what much could see up in Toronto, it was like, okay, we got this guy. He knows his stuff. Yeah, he's safe down there in the Maritimes. Just roll with it until mm-hmm. three years later, much got sold. CTV got uh, bought out of the Much Music stuff, and mm-hmm. the show got canceled, so boom, on your butt. Pardon me. Oh, then you get to the score, you win a reality show, <laughs> you sign one-year contracts again for, like, dirt, next to nothing. 
Mm. Even though, like, you're a Gillette spokesperson and now you're on national television. Well, you're uh-uh. in the Leafs dressing room. There's, well, yeah, there's perks. There's definite perks, but you got to work to get to those perks. Yeah. Day one, you open the door and it's like, who's this guy who thinks he knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah. What Go is, get me what, a coffee. What yeah. the heck does yeah. he know? So there's definitely that. Like, And especially at the score, it was very, very competitive. Everybody there, even like the producer wants to be on air, the editor is one. Like, everybody's got the end goal to be on. You know, the score tonight with Tim and Sid mm-hmm. or to get that FaceTime on TV. Mm-hmm. Whereas where it is now, you can make a podcast and you're on right now. There is no kind of gateway. It's free for all right now. But 10 years ago, it was like it was pretty crazy. I never thought of that. There, there, there was none of this 10 years ago. The only way to get seen was through TV. It was yeah. and at the score as well. And I was getting there like, OK, I've got all these ideas. Da, 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 and I was like, well. Well, no. Yeah. <clears throat> like, Cabby does that. You can't go in and just, like, randomly off-the-cuff talk to athletes. Cabby does that. Or, like, you can't <clears throat> do something different around a sports highlight that's, that's you know, um, non-traditional. That's what Tim and Sid do with their plays of the week. That's not you. So you're just going to, like... You need approval from someone else. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. and not only that, but when you work at a national sports station, pretty much everybody in the building knows more than you about sports. Like, you're guaranteed the producer and the editor and the guy who's lining up the show is, like, a savant in sports knowledge. It's, like, insane. (laughs) Like, Mark probably knows way more than both of us right now about sports. 100%. That's that's a good reason why he's here. Exactly. (laughs) So you've got that, like, on top of the fact that, uh, you know, there's nowhere near getting a sniff of television unless you kind of prove it. So once you earn that respect from within the building, which Mm. is no different than being on a hockey team or something, I guess. eh? You played hockey. You got to... You gotta kind of earn the respect of your teammates before you get the C or the A or the top line or or what? Is there a comparison there or no? Maybe a little bit for ice time because, but once you make the team, ice time. Once you make the team, it's it's a pretty even playing field of respect between your peers. But the ice time thing is definitely a, you know, in order to go to the next level with hockey, you need to be able to prove yourself. But in order to prove yourself, you need to be on the ice to prove yourself in different situations: power play, even strength, penalty right. kill. Uh, there's different scenarios where you need to prove yourself but you can definitely relate that to an office setting where i know i want to prove myself by interviewing people on the street i want to prove myself by you know going over highlights there's definitely elements that you can relate it to for sure but you know you look at guys that you know were on the mooseheads memorial cup team that got 60 points because they're playing with drew and mckinnon but those guys that now have 60 points those guys are going to go further in career because their stat lines higher mm. because of other guys like marty firk you're talking about yeah exactly marty firk's in the nhl right now i'm not mm. saying that he wouldn't be there if it wasn't for nate and drew and that year in halifax but it definitely gave him a little bit of a trampoline bounce to go to detroit and you know, work a little bit more so it's it's somewhat relatable for sure but the competitive nature is still always there yeah you still want to be better well at a sports network Especially the time I entered the score, which it was it was in a transition anyway. Yeah. From like Cabby left a short time after I got there. Tim and Sid lost their gig on television and ended up starting a podcast, which was like, what the hell's a podcast? Yeah. What year was that? Like 2011 or 2012? <clears throat> well, that's definitely what the hell is that? 2012? Oh yeah. Yeah. They were like the OGs in this stuff. Yeah. And it launched them into the Sportsnet show and. Uh, and where I guess Tim has got his own show now, and Sid has gone off to breakfast television, I morning know. TV. I know, stealing my thunder. <laughs> but I remember it was this odd transition where it was like, um, outside of a couple people, there was like, 
it's up to you, man. You're in it for yourself here. Like, yeah. we're at the score right now. You got to have your bulletproof vest on. You got to have your machetes at the ready. Like, you got to go. It's all about me, or you ain't getting anywhere. And I'm like, that is not my style. <laughs> that is not my style. So what I just kept doing was saying yes to everything. They were like, okay, you want to do um, sports highlights during horse racing at Woodbine? Yep. Monday and Wednesday nights, 7 until 9 p.m., Bet Night Live with Paul Brothers doing sports highlights. Like my Uncle John in Corner Rook was like, saw you on the sports highlight? <laughs> like on horse racing. Not exactly Hockey Night in Canada. What are the ratings for horse racing? Uh, and so from there, that's how I kind of got on television was just saying yes to that. Yeah. And then they put me, because they never had a spot for me at all when, when the show like ended and I showed up to work, it was like, what are you going to do? Is there ever a point where you almost have to create opportunity for well, yourself? exactly. There was nothing. Like, there wasn't even, uh, in the contract, if you read the fine print, there was no even contract that I had to appear on television. Really? Nothing. So they put me in the web department, and I was just lucky that uh, Derek Snyder, who kind of was one of the main producers of the show, uh -huh. uh, drafted him and his pal, James Sharp, who's a fantastic editor, probably still with CBC now in Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. They were like, you come in to web with us. Like, don't worry about television, the fame, and the fortune, and getting your face out there. Like, mm. you can have that, but you can come with us, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. And you can have a lot of really awesome stories and experiences. Are you going to be cabbie on the street in five years, you know, where you can't go anywhere and have the fame of it all? Maybe not, but yeah, that's where the coat comes in. It's a coat. Yeah. So, when I worked on thescore.com. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I wore the coat because it's a conversation piece. It's a big conversation. It's a big you, conversation. You can't get that coat anywhere. You can't. You can't. One of a kind. You, so, okay, keep going. So I'm working at the web department at the score, <clears throat> and there was a show that used to be on called Branded, which was like um, behind the brands of athletes. Like if, you know, if uh, an athlete was uh, like Sid with Gatorade. Okay, yeah. You know, like we go behind the scenes of Sidney Crosby's shoot at the Halifax Forum with the Gatorade oh, commercial. That's sick. And then there's the cutaways, and not that I went there. I'm just using that as an example. Well, I'd watch it if it was a show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should go now. <laughs> and so through this uh, show, Derek was like, I'm going to take a back seat. You can be the new host of this online show. Okay. And I'm like, man, that is huge. So you just need someone to kind of take a shine to you, really. Right? Yeah. You need that break. So, long story short, I got to go like around America and Canada doing these cool branded segments, one of which was for Nike. So, I'm in, I'm in my desk one day. Picture this now. I'm on my desk at a Tuesday morning or something, and he comes in and he's like, uh, Nike football is unveiling a new cleat for the NFL tomorrow. Cowboy Stadium, Dallas. Tomorrow, like the next, next day. And this was like 9 o'clock in the morning or something. On a whim traveling. Love it. Yeah. No family, no kids, girlfriend, now a wife. You're a free man. Free man. Yeah. Your age. Yep. And um, not that your next 10 years is going to be awful for you, nothing but. I got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like uh, Nike and my ethics professors at King's College and Algonquin College. Cover your ears. But Nike would pay us, me and a camera guy. So Nike's going to pay you to fly down to Dallas, cover this event, the unveiling of the cleat, and then fly you back, like, two days later. And it was unbelievable. So me and a camera guy who's from the Ghouls, Newfoundland, Ryan Stratton. Two Newfoundland boys oh, going to Texas, yes! getting flown up like, by Nike. This is, Unreal. This is insane, <laughs> right? 
first class flight direct to Dallas, which is only three hours from Toronto, which I never knew. Really? Yeah. So you land in Dallas, someone picks you up, brings you to the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. It's Nike, first class. Nike, They're, they're giving you hot towels everywhere you go it to wash your hands. insane, Justin. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Then the driver comes, takes you to Cowboy Stadium. Not even open yet. Like the big new Cowboy. The new one. The new one. Is, how many years ago was this? This was 2011 or 12. Okay, I don't know. This was like when the Cowboy Stadium, the big jumbotron in the middle was all the rage, like yeah. Jerry World. Yeah. So I get there. And we fly down that, that night that he told me we're going. We flew down there. Awesome. So the next morning, we wake up and go to this press junket for this new Nike cleat. Pardon me. The dogs are barking. Dang. Yep. <laughs> and so... You know, one morning I'm at the score in Toronto, 370 King West. The next morning I'm inside at the 50-yard line standing on the star at Cowboy Stadium, getting ready for this crazy multi-million dollar unveiling of a cleat. And all we are responsible for is one three-minute video for thescore.com. That was like, and it could be done two weeks down the road. So enter the enter the coat. There's yeah, like no, a, waiting for the coat. Yeah, <laughs> so there's a function after the event. Okay. And journalists who covered the event, who I guess what, you, what you'd call them now would be influencers. It was a lot of like what you would say would influence bloggers, podcasters. Okay. At that point, I guess there was no Twitter really. So it'd be like New York Times people? No, like... not even that. Just kind of niche like lifestyle guys and and girls as well. Okay. Uh, no doubts if you were in the pipeline, you'd have went kind of thing. High button sports. Come on. It's crazy. It's so, not. I'll get into that later. Yeah, you, yeah. Go, you go. Yeah. So then you get, it says like, okay, thanks for coming to the event. You now have 15 minutes to design your own coat uh, on this laptop from Nike. I'm like, okay. And this pair of sneakers. So I'm like, okay, Nike ID. I designed a pair of sneakers in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then there's these coats and it's all like slogans of high school football teams in Texas. Because if you don't know, high school football in Texas is crazy. They've got it set up. Friday Night Lights High School, Saturday College, Sunday NFL. It's, it's religion. It's religion. It's yeah. culture. So it was all slogans and, and logos of like high school football teams around Texas. So I have no idea what this means, only that it's Texas. I have no idea what this means, only that it's Texas. Does this coat swivel? Yeah, 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 you go back, yeah. I can't see it, though. you got to stand up. Watch the headphones. Fight my brothers. Did you come up with that? or was No, that a... it was like a, it was templates of slogans, like fight songs from high school colleges in texas fight my brothers i don't know but i was like that's my last name oh yeah click I wow get fight my smart brothers. that's sick that is sick and then i totally forgot about that 10 minutes in my life where i designed a nike destroyer coat and like six months later my uh wife was like some parcel showed up from texas and it was this coat unreal yeah and those are the reasons why you're addicted to this job that you do because exactly. on the whim moments like that yeah. that come to your fingertips and you're like, what? Okay, let's go. And I don't know if you follow football or not, and not the name drop, but uh, I interviewed Clay Matthews, okay. uh, and Sue, uh, Stephen no Jackson, Felix Jones, Dwayne Bow. At this event? At this event, yeah. You just get like two or three minutes with these guys to talk about. It's all you need. Yeah. But what I would do is like making something out of nothing trying to get your name out there and stuff, I created this little segment called, like, Three Minutes or Less. Okay. So we're like, you did an interview with someone. Maybe it was two minutes or less. But you just rip rapid-fire questions at him for, like, two minutes. So I would do, like, tell me about the Talon cleat. Get the 
the yeah. business of the day. It'll yeah. be, you know, Nike's all happy. You yeah. talked about the cleat. And then, like, so, like, geez, you're like six foot ten, man. How many eggs do you eat for breakfast? Or yeah, something? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you get the bullshit questions out of the way, and then yeah. you get to the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do the, the business up top and the party at the back, like yeah. a mullet, you know? Yeah. The mullet interview. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah. Like, you know, just... Oh man, that's why I just can't wait for COVID to be over. Just be to be able to do things. There's been so many opportunities. People in America don't believe in this COVID thing. Like, there's been opportunities where people have said, "Hey, do you want to come down and mic us up in Oklahoma girls' high school soccer team?" And it's like, eh, "I would," but there's kind of a pandemic that's going on right now. Yeah. But those on the whim trips, perfect example. Mem Cup was it three years ago now? Two years ago now? We had no business being in there, but we somehow got in. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting there at the Mem Cup final between Halifax and Rouen. Like I said, no business being there, but yeah. somehow I get to sit up in the press box with NHL scouts and go through this. And it's like, it's moments like that that, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, there's experiences that maybe you could go get another job, make tons of more money, and do other things. But those experiences are priceless to me. The stories that you get from those yeah. from those experiences are just, uh, it's 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 it's, it's all I need. About that, it's like all I need. Stuff, it's right? all I need. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I've got a hundred of those fish out of water stories. It's like. Another thing I did was, um, again, with this web department, it was like they didn't say no to anything. So I was like, what if we did a segment where we talked to goalies about the artwork on their mask? Cool. And um, the the editor, James Sharp, who was probably his idea, to call it face paint, which was an awesome little like yeah. five-minute segment on goalie masks. So I interviewed like pretty much every goalie known to man about the artwork on their mask, like Luongo, Marty Brodeur. Wow. Like everybody in the league. Where was that? Oh, did you call in? No, I would go. I would have that Leafs media pass. Oh, man. So you just wait for the teams to come. Yeah. While while the Toronto media, which everyone knows the Toronto media are like, you know, crazy. Yeah. We'd be like, Toronto media, Leafs, nah. We're going to go talk to Baudur about his face mask. Yeah. Which is different for a goalie. It's like, you know, well, I don't talk on game day. Almost every goalie in the league doesn't talk on game day. Really? Like, yeah, Marty doesn't talk on game day. Yeah, goalies are weird. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why they're such a unique position. 100%. But um, I would say to the PR guy, like, we're not talking about the game. I'm just talking about we're doing this segment on uh, the inspiration behind the artwork on their mask. We give a shout out to the designer. Five minutes max. You know, we won't take up a, too much of his time. And they'd be like, okay, well, I'll ask him after practice. So they come in from the morning skate, and it's like, yeah, Marty, we got... And he'd look at me, and... Okay. And it's like, holy cow! Different questions. No, I'm interviewing Marty Brodeur about yeah. his goalie mask, so that was cool. That's the gateway. Anyone listening, that's the gateway to get... Part of the reason why I think McKinnon came on this podcast was because I didn't really ask him any questions about... Ask him about his life, who he is, yeah. what, what makes him addicted to the sport of hockey. Not about his 10-game winning streak or his four-game losing right. streak. I don't give a I've played hockey for the good portion of my life. I know every answer. Right. I know exactly what people are going to say when it comes to the athletic side of at least hockey. But I think that's the gateway to get any person that you want to be able to talk to is just ask unique questions, yeah. out-of-the-box questions, and that's yeah. how you get through to people. Yeah, exactly. Because you actually care about the person rather than the profession. Because if, if you're anyone... And you see someone's profession and what they do, it's pretty obvious what they do. You know, I know what you do. I see you on TV every day. I know you're great at your job, but who's the man behind right. that TV? Who's the man behind that interview? That's that's what I that's what I'm fascinated with, and I think that's a great solution to anything uh, anything you want in life. Just think differently. Be outside the box. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong there, and that's why I think uh, this medium, the podcast medium, like spitting chicklets and all those things, has really like pulled back the curtain on athletes just being robots. Yeah. And some people don't like it, and some people do, but yeah. there's definitely an appetite for uh, a little bit of fun about people 
outside of the stats. Hundred percent. If so you were, a, if you sorry, you go. I was going to say another one I did was called closers as well, where I went to I had a Jays media pass, which is also insane, and I hate to Rogers bring up all this stuff. No, man, I love it. This is dude. Okay, you're taking me back. I don't talk about it with anyone. My kids are six and two, man. I don't, I don't have any friends. Dude, stick around all day. I got nothing to do today. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk away. And so we pitched an idea called Closers, where I talked to closers about their walk-up music. Great question. And, um, and just about memories from, like, cl- like how do you close a game, man? Your job is to sit there for three hours, and when the game is on the line, you got to come in and get three outs. That's like an insane, I'd rather be a fighter pilot. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. So that was kind of cool, and closers are very much like goaltenders, too, where you've got to have a unique kind of personality. You're an individual. Yeah. Yeah. It's a psychological more than a physical aspect of the game. You're, exactly. you're in your own head sometimes. Yeah. And then, then there was one more where I was like, um, I loved NFL football, and it's like, how can I get to NFL games using this job mm. that wasn't, you know, like, tell me about the game. So we came up with this idea where I would go to tailgates in NFL cities and then like compare the culture of the tailgate to the success of the team. So like Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo was so close to Toronto. So we would go to Buffalo and I wouldn't go into the stadium to interview the players. I would go out in the parking lot and talk to the people of Buffalo, jumping through tables and like throwing cans at Dolphin fans. All <laughs> it's like, you know, District Nine. I don't know if you're saying <laughs> yeah, 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 I've seen it. And then you'd go in after the game, and I got to like watch Buffalo games in the press box, and then go after the game and talk to the Bills players, not about the game, but about the tailgate. Yeah. So I'd be like, "Hey, JP Lossman, who was like, you know, Buffalo had a lot of bad teams." <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was working in Toronto, and it'd just be like asking players about the tailgate, like, "What do you think about the fans out there?" And I did Buffalo, I did Cleveland, which was insane. I did Pittsburgh. I did Michigan, University of Michigan. Sick. Yeah. University of Oregon. When you went to Michigan, was the stadium packed at the game? How many? 100,000 people? Yeah. Was it, it packed? Was, oh, yeah. It was like wow. 113,000. Wow. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's, that must have been the most people you've seen in one place ever. I would say. And it went to overtime. Would Michigan they... against Iowa. Wow. Is that a rivalry? Yeah. doesn't matter. Big still. 10, yeah. Wow. I've been back. I actually had a cousin who played hockey at Michigan, which is a no way. crazy roundabout story. Yeah, but... He's an alumni, so I've been back one other time to watch Michigan Ohio State at the Big House. Unbelievable! It's one of my. I want to be able to go see a call. I don't really NFL sure, but I, oddly enough, I just I really want to see a college football game. Maybe in Texas too, you know, somewhere down there. Even oh, high yeah. school. You got to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Just go down to. Which I've done that story as well. Like we went to a high school game on a Friday night of like you know, which a high school game in Nova Scotia. I don't know Citadel or whatever. Citadel versus the West or something. Parents and family members watching high school football in like Ohio. <laughs> You know, it's like thousands of people here for a Friday night high school football game. It's insane. Wow. And then Saturday you wake up and you do the tailgate for your local university. Yeah. Ohio State or whatever. Yeah. And then Sunday you got your NFL. My plan is whenever I do get married, that's where I want like the bachelor trip to be. Somewhere in the States where it's a Mm. sports friendly town, some baseball, but that college football swing and be able to go see just sports for a week or a long weekend or something. That's like, that's my plan. So... This is my last one about the uh, fish out of water. You you kind of like wonder how the hell you ever got here. We go to cover Ravens Steelers Sunday night football for this tailgate story in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, okay. Sunday nighter, like rivalry, Ravens Steelers, Big Ben, Joe Flacco. It's like crazy. Yeah. So you uh, you know 
you do your prep work. You got you've been to media pass places where it's like come here at box office, get your media pass, da 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 da. Usually we don't get any access to anything. So we go to Pittsburgh, we do some of these uh, tailgate interviews with the fans. It was fantastic, like under overpasses. Fantastic sports city. Yeah. Have you ever been? I've been to Pittsburgh. <sighs> Saw Crosby playing the melon. See? Yeah. You know. Pittsburgh yep. is amazing. Yeah. And so uh, we go to the box office. Scott Winters, who's from Lunenburg, who's now one of the main camera guys on Hockey Central Saturday. Okay. Another I good East Coast. you got to have your East Coasters with you when you're doing these crazy epic trips. 100%. <laughs> so he was doing the camera for me from Lunenburg. And uh, I go to the box office, and it's like press pass, field access, Steelers, Ravens. I'm like, holy shit, Scott, look, we're like field access. We can get on the field for the game. So <clears throat> you got to walk in like you own the place. Cause you're, got to. You thought I was 32. They probably thought I was 17 at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> so we go in, and... Uh, like, before you know it, we're, like, on the sidelines at Heinz Field. Was Aaron Andrews there by any chance? No, it was a Sunday night. It was uh, Michelle Tafoya. Okay. So Michelle Tafoya's out there on the sidelines doing the uh, Sunday night broadcast. And, uh, like, Big Ben and the gang are, like, running out of the tunnel when the terrible towel is going. It's, like, 60,000 people. It's like It's, like, the craziest environment of all time. And there's this big, tall guy standing next to me. And he's got a Steelers jersey on. And I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? Um. Nice to meet you. You know, I'm Paul. There's yeah. Scott. And he's like, okay, yeah, how's it going? This guy must be like 6'10 or something. Jeez. Wearing his Roethlisberger jersey. He got his towel on. So what I didn't know is that every week they have like a celebrity that comes out and waves this towel to get the fans riled up. Awesome. And so this tall guy is this Joe. He's got a really long name. He was in that vampire movie. He's married to, uh, he's married to Sofia Vergara. Come on, Mark. Uh, Joe, did he play for the Steelers? No, no, he's an actor. He's an actor. Like, major famous actor. Joe, not Pantalone, but he's got a really long last name, and he's been in a vampire movie. We'll have to look it up to see. Okay. Anyway, he's got like a million. Uh, I'll search it. But uh, anyway, he's like, okay, I got to go. And I'm like, all right. And then he like, ladies and gentlemen, from the movie True Blood, here's Joe Pantalone. And he like walks out, and he's like... And I'm like, holy Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah, and then they're like, uh, I was like, okay, we're watching the game on the field. This is going to be great. And then someone comes and is like, no, 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 no. This yeah, is just yeah, pregame yeah. and postgame. So we go upstairs, and I get to my uh, press box. Uh, my camera guy couldn't even come up. Why not? He, he had to go down below. He's... They get the shaft, camera guys, when the game starts. They go down okay. in the bowels of the arena. Okay. <laughs> Which I tried my damnedest every time to get him up there, but anyway. <laughs> so I go up to the press box, Sunday night football, yeah, and uh, like Bob Costas is in the elevator when I go up. Insane. Insane. I go to my seat, and it's like obstructed view. It's like a pillar that's like six feet wide. I can't see around the pillar. I'm like <laughs> I'm like press box media man number 155. Yeah, exactly. Of one exactly. Five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like watching the game. <laughs> You're like at the form. The worst possible seat in the house. Like obstructed 100% view. But then halftime hits and the buffets at NFL press boxes are amazing. So I'm like in the buffet line with Whoa. Wilbon, Mike Wilbon. Wow. Of PTI. Just standing there. And it's like, this is just absolutely 
nuts. It's probably just another Sunday to him. Well, yeah, they're yeah. just. This is just another Sunday night. Jeez, yeah. did you try the veal, Bob? Yeah, I did. Yeah, mashed was... potatoes again. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But for me, it was like this is a once in a lifetime. I'll be telling this to my grandkids. My buddy Scott still texts me all the time, like Pittsburgh. That was crazy. But yeah. Anyway, there's just stuff like that that was like absolutely unbelievable. Love it. You're yeah. getting me going right now. You're just getting me going. <laughs> You're getting me going. Yeah. We had a similar story when we were up in Fenway for the Red Bull crashed ice. Yeah. No business being there once again. Call up. Uh, I called up Red Bull. It's like, you know, it's all day. Just grinded. Yeah. You know, like Red Bull UK, Red Bull Canada, Red Bull America. Hmm. You're just calling anyone to try to get through to get some media passes. And you get a no, you get a no, you get a no, you get a no. But then a week before get an email from the PR representative from Red Bull America that does the crash dice events because I dropped yeah. a couple there's a couple maritimers from around here that are in this event a couple one guy from New Brunswick two guys from New Brunswick there's a Roxall or Roxall yeah or but he's a... from Ontario oh, but he he, okay. he does a LLTD that clothing company but we have a a good re- or maybe nonetheless we have a good relationship with a couple guys in there that are from Canada yeah so that's my in that's my pitch Look, there's there's maritime presence here. We I I'm the maritime representative for I just bullshit and I I need to come. Of course. So you know we're getting nose 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 a week before. Hey, I'm gonna see what I can do. We didn't get a yes. Like hey, I'm gonna see what we can do. I'm gonna talk to someone and we might be able to get you a couple passes. And you know how you go when you go to these events. You need a maritime partner in crime. It's like I had my partner in crime, yeah. Matt Doodle, who's with me, camera guy, same thing. Yeah. So we find out maybe three days before that we get the okay. Fenway all access drive up to Boston yeah. we're there unbelievable we get there we're there with ESPN reporters you got to remember like this is two years ago so just it's fresh just you got to understand like we're new to the game yeah ESPN reporters you know the spotting sports that was up there. there's a couple big dogs and we're up in the Fenway uh, media box right behind home plate like all the way up at the top there, we're looking down, we're with some of these media guys, we're wearing these bright red high button vests, so we stick out like sore thumbs, and we're, we're poor, we have no money, but same thing with the food. So the food's there, and we're just, everything you can imagine, we're just eating, we're eating, we're eating, we're eating, we're eating, we're yeah. doing everything. And I just remember that being like, okay, if I can do this, almost anything is possible. That's right. Anything is possible. If you want to be able to to get into an event, you just have to, you can't quit. And that was another factor. It's like, I, I, I'm never going to quit this. It's if yeah. that's all it takes is just everything you have, I'll do it. And it's, like if you like you can use this brand as a vehicle to get those experiences. 100%. If you don't have uh, family commitments and things like that, like uh, the way <sighs> PR people are the gatekeepers, man. If you can talk to PR people, the right person to tell them here's what you do, here's what we want to do, be on the level, don't be an idiot when you get there. You can get a lot of great experiences. And it's uh whether you're a podcaster or a blogger, yeah. And if you want to do that, you can certainly do it. Well, you might gonna... not have a great pension, but you'll have yeah. some great stories. We well, have some great stories, absolutely. <laughs> just keep doing it till you just keep doing it till you're dead. And yeah. then you don't need a pension. You get paid the whole time. That's right. Why stop? Yeah. Retirement's uh, overrated. Um if you were nineteen right now. Yeah. Not thirty nine for one more day. Yeah. What are you doing? No, not nineteen. Let's say, you know. Nineteen. Yeah, you're out of high school. You're just leaving high school. Yeah. You know so you have the pa- you know you have the passion for this, yep. but you know that there's different avenues in order to get to your end goal. I don't know what your goal is, but so for me, now I say that I'm almost forty. You got to have a plan B for some things. But when I was nineteen, I there was no plan B. I was going to be the first sportscaster from Bishop's Falls, Newfoundland, on national TV. Uh-huh. And I researched uh, sportscasters who like the best way to get to where you want to go is find out who else has been there 
and follow that similar path. Because someone's done something that you've done. I'm not sure if you've done that with how to launch this whole thing, but I kept searching for sportscasters across Canada. How did you get to where you are? Where did you go to school? Did you, they all started in like AM radio. I'm like, okay, I've already got that on my belt. I've done some AM radio. I've done some FM radio in the summertime. Now you need the education aspect of it all. So I'm like, where did um, TSN guys, Sports Center guys, go to university? Forget Memorial University of Newfoundland. Nobody went there and and went to TSN. Hmm. There's no path. Hmm. Ryerson. I'm like, all right, radio and television arts, Ryerson. You look up sportscasters, almost every single person in Canada went to Ryerson. We got an intern here right now that goes to Ryerson. No he's doing, way! Well, because he can't go back to Toronto because he was stuck here, so he's doing his internship here. Did he do an RTA? Radio the Ryerson? Arts? I think so, yeah. Is Jeff doing that? It's like the television program. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the one. This is like, this for is me, it was B1. the golden standard. I have to go here. Okay. So I apply. I'm in grade 12. I got pretty good marks. I'm like an 80s student. I apply to Ryerson. There's a pretty rigorous like essay you got to write. You talk to them. I get them in the mail one day. My dad is like a hardcore sports fan. So he was like, your letter from Ryerson's here, son. Pulls up lunchtime, Leo Burke Academy, rip it open, reject it. Didn't get in. What the F do I do now? So I uh, took a year off at university and worked on an AM radio station in Gander, Newfoundland for a year. I just went to work. Just like got a job doing country radio. Just getting experience. Just getting experience. Mm. Which, by the way, on my first morning I slept in. And the boss was waiting for me with Timmy's in a strip mall in Gander. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. Did you just let you slide your job after? Not for very much longer. <laughs> there was like a company merger, and I got bumped at 19. And so uh, from there, then you got to have a plan B, because plan A was like not happening. Okay. So I went to Memorial University with the goal to get a four-year BA and, and do the one-year Ryerson program in radio and television. So I'm halfway through my BA at Munn. Mm-hmm. They canceled that one-year program at Ryerson. Can't do it anymore. So I'm like, now what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> so I kept working on radio in the summer, and I got my uh, Bachelor of Arts from Memorial, and okay. then I did some more research on where people went, and I actually emailed Dan O'Toole. No way. That's how you got to do it. Yep. And I said, uh, you know, here's here's where I've been. I got some of the experience on radio. I need to go somewhere else out of Newfoundland. And he was like, well, I went to Algonquin College. So I went to Algonquin for um, a television course there. And Dan said something to me that still sticks with me as well. It's like, you got to learn how to play, fly the small plane before you can fly the jet. So he's like, stay there, fly your Dash 8, get some experience, education will come, and then you can fly the bigger plane. Mm-hmm. Which I'm still not sure if I flew a big plane yet, but man, I've had fun flying a lot of the smaller ones. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> you're in a big plane right now. I think That's so. For, what, for where I'm in my life right now, yeah. yeah. I just like being like myself. If I can be myself, like yeah. you're being yourself right now, yeah. I can be myself on TV. I mean, I've got to get serious and read the news, but <laughs> uh, you also can just talk about your kids, and that's where I'm at in my life right now. But 19, that's where I was. I was, what are we, March? 19th birthday? I don't want to, th- well. <laughs> that's why I was late for work. <laughs> well, my day. 19th birthday, which uh, I celebrated at Acadia, because I was up here on a trip. I'm not sure what I was doing here. This had nothing to do with my career, but my buddy went to Acadia. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go to school? Anywhere? Mm, NSCC. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. Mark, you? Uh, 
two degrees. Sorry. Not a boy. Where? <laughs> uh, the St. Mary's Political Science and the one year journalism at King's. Not a boy. I did the one year journalism at King's. Really? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's where I finally ended up and got a piece of paper that got me where I am. Okay. Anyway, 19th birthday. Last, probably last story for you. Uh, <laughs> I go, my buddy is living on campus at Acadia and they have this thing there called the Cheatin' Cup. Cheatin'? Cheatin' Cup. Can you spell it? It's like a combination of the words Chipman and Eaton. Those were the two houses at the time. Okay. And uh, they had this concoction of, like, drink that they made at the residence called Red Death. Okay. Sounds okay. It was insane. It was, like, gin and rum and halt. Like halls? Halls. Cough drops. Cough drops. Red, the red ones? Probably the red, red cherry halls. Red Gatorade? No. Yeah. Red it Gatorade. was, like, literally one drink and you're lit. I get it. It was insane. It's college. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a, I'll never forget, there was a dude there with the nickname Stinger. And he had like two drinks of Red Death and like smashed his head off the brick wall in the hallway. They had to call the ambulance. Where's that guy now? I don't know where That's Stinger is. That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway. Stinger. That was what I was doing actually when I turned 19 on March 25th, 1999. Crazy. Or what no, was it 2000? 2000. Well, it all worked out. Yep. So far, so good, man. So far, so good. It all worked out. Dude, yeah. you got to, thanks for coming. Like, that was, yeah, just, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that are in a position that want to go ahead in their broadcasting career. And uh, yeah. you, you just kind of went in head first. Nose, what is nose dive first? Is that what, is that what you head say? Head first, yeah. Head first? Yeah. It's okay. like you just jumped. Yeah, pretty much. Went. I don't know what teenage me, what set me off to want to be, uh, you know, yeah, have that set goal. Like, a, no matter what you want to do, if you set a goal, even if you don't get to that goal, like, you stumble your way into some semblance of that goal, and that becomes a career and a life, really. It's amazing. Yeah. What are you doing the rest of the day? Buddy, I got four and a half hours sleep last night, because my two and a half year old would not go to bed till 10 o'clock. That was, sorry, that was a question I was going to ask you. What time do you wake up in the morning to go to work for your morning show? Well, this morning it was 3.45. Nah. 4.10. Nah. 4.15, 4.15, nah, 4.20, if I don't get up now, I'm not going to be there. So. Oh, so what time do you have to be at the office? Well, on my timesheet, it says 4.30, but I, I've been there nine years. So I stroll in at 4.58. <laughs> so then what time, are you on, what time are you on air? This guy walks in with confidence. What time do you get on air from the time you get, like, uh, what time is the camera rolling? I got Mark on that one. Uh, six, six. The camera starts rolling at six. Okay, so you're there, okay. So I'm there an hour before. And if you've been there for nine years, I'm pretty sure you know what you're doing. Yeah, but this morning I'm talking to the president of that conservative party, and I'm like... Ah, this morning you were? This morning. And you know what? I had Nate Darling on this morning. How do you get... Man, I need that connection. He's yeah, a big dog in me. I can... He's a nice guy? Yeah. Yeah? I had Nate on the show with his dad when he was 13 years old. No way. That's how long I've been at Global. Wow. And he told me in that segment he's going to make the NBA. No. Yeah. Do you have that video clip? I cannot find it. You got to get someone on that. There, it must be in a file somewhere. Yeah. That's what you guys are great for. You guys have those file clips that go way back. I wish we did, but I think someone purged the stuff from 2013 or something. Dude. So, um, yeah, he came on to say he was going to DeMatha, just outside of Washington. Wow. Leaving Bedford. And, like, dude played in the NBA on the weekend, so I talked to him Ooh. about that. He was uh he was cool. I think tonight, March twenty fourth, he gets in the game against the Houston Rockets and hits a three pointer. 
All right. That'll be a great clip if that actually happens, and we'll edit that out and put that in. I hope he does. I'm really pulling for him because, man, the NBA right now, I don't know if you guys talk a lot of basketball on here. Watch a lot. Don't really talk about it. It's Definitely a three-point shooter's it. league right now. He is just ready for the NBA with that three-point shot he's got. It's just confidence. you got to get your reps in. It's like you need to be able to miss 20 until you make 30. You know, it's like you yeah. got to just shoot, 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 miss, 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 and then that confidence comes. So I asked him this morning. I actually pre-taped it on the, uh, Saturday. Just before he was going to play LeBron. The the day of the game the or day. the day before? Must have been the day before. Well, he made his debut against the Raptors, right? And it was like three days later I got him. Okay, like cool. Like last Friday afternoon, I think. Okay, cool. He was just getting ready to play the Lakers and the Clippers, which is insane. Which, by the way, NBA players get paid every two weeks. Paid every two yeah, weeks? Yeah, like they have normal... When do you get paid? Oh, the 15th and the 30th. Direct deposit or check? I never asked that one. That's <laughs> you got to have him on the pry a little bit more on that yeah. one. <laughs> I finished the interview, and I was yeah. like, hey, by the way, Nate, man, I feel like I know you enough to ask you, do you get paid every two weeks, like NBA players? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, every yeah. Thursday. <laughs> like, imagine making $40 million a year, and you get paid every two weeks. Unreal. It's like Lotto 649 every 15th and last day of the month. Yeah. That's why I think some of those guys love when they get called up from the G League, because, like, right. even though they're sitting on the bench, you still might be able to afford a house at the end of the season. Well, you know? like Nate, he got the call up from the Greensboro Swarm or whatever. Yeah. Like he signed a contract for like half a million dollars. But it's like, is he, oh, for the G For the two-way contract. So Half it, a million for a two-way contract. Yeah. Half so, a, do you know, it's 70000 for a two-way contract in the, not 70000 but if you're in the AHL, yeah. you're making, you know, minimum 70000 And then if you get called up to the NHL, I think it's minimum 500000 Right. That's a difference. So if you get called up to the NHL and you're on the taxi squad and you're sitting up in the press box and you're making 20 grand every two weeks, whatever, yeah. like. So that must be similar to the NBA because he signed, a, it was a $50,000 guaranteed contract. So I guess if he played at Greensboro, it was 50 G's. Wow. If he got the call up, it was 500. I never asked him about this. I Googled that to see what how much money he was making just because I was nosy. Yeah, I might switch to an NBA <laughs> career maybe. <laughs> but, uh, does this thing have to end? Because I want to talk a few more minutes about it. No, go um, for it. What time is it? Before I wanted to go, I want to talk about the skill level of the of like how good he must be at basketball to make the NBA. Like the skill level from the pros to the minors and like people who thought they might be pros is like unbelievable. Like I had a buddy in my hometown who was good at hockey. He got a he got a tryout with the Moncton Wildcats. And in my hometown it was like Jonathan Hooper, man, he's going to the NHL. He got a try with the Wildcats. <laughs> he just went to one camp, but he was like the greatest player I'd ever seen in my life. But like the skill level to actually make the NHL, and you played hockey, you know, yeah. right? You played for the Mooseheads, didn't you? Eight games, yeah. But still, you were there. Yeah. So you must be pretty damn good. Yeah. I've heard of making the NHL as the equivalent, like percentage-wise, of winning the lottery twice. Like that's out of how many kids play hockey in the world. Of how many kids? How many, there's 30 guys on an NHL team. So what's 30 times? How many teams are in the NHL? Yeah. 32. What's 30 times 32? Can you do that? 30 times 30 is 900. Oh, I know what the acronym so now goes for math: mental abuse towards humans. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what the nine-year-old said math was. Mental abuse towards humans. That's great. Yes. 100%. I love that. I told you I'd remember that. And uh, anyway, so yeah, the, the percentage is ridiculous to make it. And yeah, there's. It's a big step. It's crazy. And, I, and basketball is 10 times more popular than hockey around the world because it's cheaper. All you need is yeah. a ball and a pair of shoes and a hoop. You don't even need a hoop. Just get a 
what are those plastic bins called? The milk carton. Put it up on a wall. That's a that's a hoop. You yeah. like you can play it in poor countries. So many kids play basketball. And to make it to the NBA from a guy from Bedford, Nova Scotia. And you think of uh, there's only twelve guys on a team. That's another thing. There's not thirty guys on a roster. There's twelve guys on a roster. Yeah. If you that that I, I'm happy you brought that up, Paul. That's an interesting. I just one. wanted to. I was talking to Graham actually about that this morning about skill levels of like. <laughs> Just the odds of making it, and it's insane. And that's the thing about Nate right now. It's like, okay, he does. Let's say he does have like a 10, 15, 20-year career in the NBA. That guy's going to be able to come back to Bedford and have one of the most successful basketball camps in Canada. Yeah. That guy's able – that guy's set for life even if he doesn't play in the NBA. Yeah. That – like his leadership and his uh, – I guess his work ethic, however you want to put it, that got him to that point – He's going to inspire a lot of kids. Pretty crazy. A lot of kids. And I hope, because uh, Lindell Wigginton is an amazing basketball player, too. He's in the Timberwolves pipeline. And yeah. Kendall Tynes plays at uh, Montana State. Yeah. I'm hoping he makes it. Are they still in the tournament? I don't know if they made they it. Never they never made it. They didn't make it, no. No. But there's a shot, like, much like Nate can prove, too. He never even got drafted, right? Yeah. There's only two rounds in the NBA draft. You don't get drafted, it's G League or Europe. Man. And there's so... Pretty awesome that he made it. I want to talk to him, but I want to talk to him in the studio. I can't do it in Zoom. I I'm not good at Zoom. It's tough, man. I do it uh, ten times a week. Changes do you find, the game. Do you, do you find you've gotten better at it from the first one you've done till now? I don't know. I, every day is different for me, I guess. But I just find that there's there's little nuances as you and I are talking as humans right now, which is the first time I've done this in like a year. But really? you can even sell like you can even tell little nuances of you know like. You know, reading your face. Where are you going to go next with this? Oh, yeah. he's going to ask a different question now. Yeah. Where were you when you were 19? But um, you can't do that in Zoom. Yeah. Especially not on live television. I can't even see the guy's face. Really? Just looking into a camera <laughs> and hearing him in my ear. Oh, no. So it's kind of crazy, oh, right? Oh, Paul. I should quit. Forget that, Global. Dude. I'm going to join High Button. There we go. We got a, We got a salary for just you. Tell, <laughs> just leave, relive the glory days of the old war stories of traveling through America with my uh, we'll, maritime camera guys. We'll give you your own podcast. You can talk to anyone you want. I don't know, man. Uh, thanks for having me, though. Dude, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was in Drew's. I love talking to guys that are in the same business as me, but on the other side, the other side of the, the fence, I guess. Right. And you just you, you break it down. And it's like a... That guy has so many similarities to me. It's the right. same. It's the same thing. It's just he's on a he's on the other side. I, yeah. I love it. So, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You got all those kids at home. So, yeah, taking the time out of your day, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Hopefully, you enjoyed the baked goods, and uh, I'll be back anytime. All right, everyone listening. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. It's Wednesday, Hump Day. Halfway through, work hard, have fun. Don't quit. Follow your dreams. You might end up in Pittsburgh. Eating food. What's the stadium called? Heinz Field. At Heinz Field. So there you go. All right, guys, we're out. Peace. Thank you.
between us, the ocean of tears.